Church, let me invite you as you uh, find your way back to your seat to uh, hear from God's Word this morning. Let me invite you to hear from Psalm 8, uh, beginning in verse 1. And there the Scriptures read this way. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Church, the Lord that we serve, the Lord God, the one and only God, is a God who is majestic. And the first Lord that we see here in Psalm chapter 8, verse 1, is in all caps in many English translations of the Bible. And that means that this is a reference to the personal covenant name uh, by which the personal covenant God uh, revealed himself to his people. It is Yahweh. And Yahweh is the God who has invited his people into relationship with him, to know him, to serve him, to live for him, to love him for our own good. The Bible clearly attributes all of creation to this God. By His Word, God alone creates all things. And this God is our Lord. He's our Master, meaning what He says we must do. He is majestic, meaning He is high, He is lofty, He is splendid, He is great, He is magnificent, He is powerful. There is none like Him. The truth that we see from Psalm Eight, I believe, is this. The majesty of God is displayed through His creation. The majesty of God, His greatness, His magnificence, His grandeur is displayed through His creation. Let me ask you this morning, when is the last time that you saw the majesty of God in creation? Any of you see the supermoon this last week? Did you look at that enlarged uh, representation of the moon and praise God for His majesty. You woke up this morning and you breathed in the cool, crisp air. Did you praise God for His, His majesty? When you notice the orange leaves still hanging on some of the trees despite the severe drought that we're in, did you praise God for His majesty? Church, the Lord, our Lord, is majestic in all the earth, and He is worthy of our praise. So as we continue in worship this morning, let's praise Him. Let's acknowledge who He is. Let's acknowledge that there is none like Him as we continue in worship through song. Father, we do pray that You would guide us, that You would lead us, or that You would be glorified in us as we seek to exalt Your name, hear our praise, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We invite you once again to hear from... God's Word, Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2. David writes, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, 
and cleanse me from my sin. Psalm 51 is a written expression of confessing sin and brokenness over David's sin before God. And through this beautiful psalm, we see that in God's abundant mercy, He restores the broken sinner. In His abundant mercy, God restores the broken sinner. You know, brokenness, when it comes to our relationship uh, before God, brokenness is not always a bad thing. In fact, brokenness is the pathway to forgiveness. To be broken is to realize that we have not measured up, that we have fallen short, that we are at the end of ourselves and we need someone else to, to save us. And through this particular psalm, David expresses his brokenness before God. He realizes that in his heart he had lusted. He realizes that he had taken another man's wife. He realizes that out of fear he has committed murder. And he begins to realize the significance, the gravity, the depth of his sin against God. And he appeals to the character of God for he knows that God's gracious character is his only hope for forgiveness. In church, the same is true of us. We are sinners We have fallen short. We have rebelled and we will continue to rebel. We do continue to rebel, but we have a hope. We have the hope of forgiveness because of the gracious character of God. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your unfailing love. Repentance leads to restoration. We have a God who desires to restore us. So as we continue in worship once again this morning, let me invite you today to confess your sin before God. When was the last time that you confessed sin to God? God invites us often to approach Him through the blood of Jesus and to confess our sin to Him knowing that He is faithful and just and He will forgive us our sins. He will purify us. He will wash us whiter than snow through the blood of Jesus. So as David comes and sings a song of confession, a song of desiring God's mercy, let me invite you where you are to confess sin before God, to take a couple moments and acknowledge your sin, to repent of your sin before God and and receive His mercy once again. Let's bow in confession. If you have a Bible with you or near you, let me invite you to join me in Ephesians chapter 1 for a few moments as we look at God's Word together once again. And certainly Thanksgiving is fast approaching and we all have much to be thankful for. Thanksgiving began as a celebration of uh, the harvest, giving thanks uh, for the harvest. And um, certainly we have um, have, have many uh, opportunities and privileges and freedoms beyond what many around the world have, and we certainly ought to give thanks for uh, those things. This tradition lives on, and I hope you celebrate Thanksgiving this week, and I hope you celebrate Thanksgiving well. But by far the greatest opportunity and the greatest privileges and the greatest freedoms for us as believers come through Uh, The greatest gift of all, and that is the gift of Jesus Christ, God's own Son, coming to earth to give His life on our behalf. And even though we have fallen short, even though we have rebelled and have sinned to confess before God, the Scriptures are clear in Ephesians chapter 1, 
verses 7 and 8, that in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Let me read that again. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Church, one of my favorite foods is ice cream. I'm not a lot of nutrition in ice cream, but I love ice cream. I could eat ice cream every day, as uh, probably many of you uh, could as well. And not too long ago, I had an opportunity to eat uh, lunch with uh, several of our staff uh, members at Jason's Deli. And so after we finished our uh, entrees at Jason's Deli, we did what you must always do when you go to Jason's Deli, uh, enjoy the free soft serve ice cream. So uh, if you didn't know they had uh, free soft serve ice cream, that's, that's a freebie for you. You need to go and enjoy it. Well, on this particular occasion, uh, the soft serve ice cream uh, machine uh, was serving softer than usual soft serve ice cream. And so I went up and I began to fill uh, my cone as uh, some, of the, some of the others did. And uh, almost immediately the ice cream then began to spill over the edge of the cone and run down the cone. And in fact, it uh, enveloped the cone. And had, uh, had I not put that cone then on a bowl in order to eat it, it would have been all over me and would have been very difficult uh, to, eat, to eat because that particular ice cream uh, making machine uh, lavished the ice cream mixture all over uh, my cone. In church, according to the scriptures, God has lavished his grace on us through Jesus. God has covered and smothered us with his grace. It is an overflow that is Put on us beyond what we deserve, beyond what we can even begin to take in. In fact, by our very existence and presence day after day, we are, we are living proof of God's grace. That God has been good to us. That God has been merciful to us. That God has poured out His abundant mercy on us. Indeed, the scriptures teach that God is rich in grace. He has an abundance of, of grace his grace doesn't, doesn't run out. It doesn't run dry. And right here in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul uses the language of redemption to describe God's grace. And in that context, the first century world and uh, the Roman Empire, this language, the language of redemption, would have likely uh, brought to mind a certain relationship that was common in that day, and that's the relationship between a master and a slave. And so as Paul wrote about redemption, it would have been natural for his audience to think about that relationship and the ransom or the payment that could be paid oftentimes to purchase the freedom of a slave. This is one of the ways in which the Bible describes our salvation. We have been redeemed. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, the, the Bible describes our predicament apart from Christ in a number of ways. We are described as uh, breaking as, as men and women who have fallen short, who have broken God's commands. And uh, the picture of salvation then is justification and declared righteous. We've been justified. The Bible also describes our condition as uh, spiritual deadness. And the solution is found in the gospel of Jesus that we uh, are given new life. We, 
receive regeneration through Jesus Christ. And when the Bible speaks of our sin predicament as slavery, bondage to sin and death, then the Bible uses the term redemption. We've been freed. We've been liberated through the blood of Jesus Christ. By the cross of Christ, we have freedom and forgiveness. By His cross, church, God frees us and He forgives us. By His cross, God frees us and He forgives us. The ransom has been paid. The penalty and the punishment for sin that we deserve has been poured out on the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He has absorbed what we deserve at great cost to Himself, the cost of His very life. In church this morning, we have an opportunity to remember that Christ, to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on on our behalf as we participate in communion, as we observe the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is uh, a command, the observance of the Lord's Supper is a command by Jesus Himself, our Lord, and given to His followers. We're commanded to observe it and to observe it often. And so this morning we have the opportunity to do just that. At the Lord's Supper is thankful, symbolic remembrance of Christ and what He did for our salvation. Just the Lord's Supper is a, a thankful, symbolic remembrance of Jesus and what Jesus did, the sacrifice that Jesus made for our salvation so that we could be freed from the condemnation of sin. So that we could be forgiven of our sins before God. So that we could enjoy a right relationship with Him. So church, as we observe, as we partake today, let's eat and remember the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. Let's remember with hearts of of gratitude. For the Lord's Supper is a thankful, symbolic remembrance of Christ and what He did for our salvation. And through the Lord's Supper... Church, we memorialize the substitutionary death of Christ and anticipate His return. Through our participation in this act, the Lord's Supper, we memorialize, we preserve the memory of of Jesus' substitutionary sacrifice on the cross in our place and we anticipate His return. We look forward to the day that the Lord Jesus will return again for us. So church, let's, let's eat, let's drink, and let's remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And later this week, as we gather with others, as we eat another meal, let's eat and remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross in our place that we might have life, abundant and eternal life in Him. Church, the Lord's Supper is a gift of of God. It's a command of, of Jesus. It's given to followers of Jesus. So if you know Jesus, if you have trusted in Jesus for salvation, then you are invited to to partake today. If you've not, then we'd ask that you would abstain just out of reverence for uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. But all who know Him are invited to partake today. And so as our deacons come and begin to find their place, let me invite you to continue to remember the sacrifice of Jesus and the price that He has paid for us to confess sin before Him and certainly to take the bread, take the cup, eat and drink and remember the body of Jesus that was broken, the blood of Jesus that was spilled for our sake. Let's pass the bread. The church, let's take and eat the bread and remember the sacrifice.
of Jesus for our sins. Church, let's take and drink the cup and remember the blood of Jesus that was spilled for our sins. Let's bow in prayer. And Lord, we give you thanks today for the gift of of life, Lord, the gift of spiritual life, the gift of forgiveness of sins and eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather and to remember this uh, momentous event. Father, we pray that it would continue to have ramifications and bearings on our lives today as your people, now and forevermore. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to share uh, with us now a couple verses of Scripture from the end of Jude's letter. Jude, you may know, is, uh, really doesn't have chapters. It's, it's one uh, chapter, so to speak. But the final two verses are a doxology, and they read this way. Jude writes, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy... To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. So Jude closes this letter with an an expression of praise to God, a prayer to God on behalf of his people. And he says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his, his glorious presence, before the throne of God, without fault. Without fault. I don't think that's a reference to sinlessness, for none of us are sinless. But it is a reference to guiltlessness. Church, through faith in Jesus, we are guiltless. Through faith in the crucified and risen Jesus, we are found guiltless before God. No longer condemned. Our sins are no longer held against us. Certainly we are still sinners who struggle with sin and will as long as we are here on this earth. But God looks at us and he sees the innocence of his son. For Jesus exchanged our guilt for his innocence. Church, the blood of Christ, the body of Christ that was broken for us, the event of the cross is reason to celebrate it is reason to praise it's fitting that we respond to remembering the cross with celebration in fact this is what david did in that psalm we referenced earlier psalm 51 as he began confessing his sin broken over his own sin before god he soon realized that god had and would forgive him and restore him into right relationship and so david promised to to express his devotion to god he promised to give his life to God. He promised to declare the praises of of God and likewise church as recipients of forgiveness. We are called upon to declare the forgiveness of God. Let me ask you this morning, have you been forgiven your sins through faith in Jesus? Are you living as one who has been forgiven? As Are you living your life for the Lord? Are you following after him? sacrifice of, of Jesus demands a response from us. 
We ought to give of ourselves. We ought to give our hearts to Him. We ought to give our songs to Him. We ought to give our lives to Him. As we pass the plate in a few moments, we ought to give to Him what He has entrusted to us. He is worthy of all. He is worthy of everything we have to give. And what a privilege, what a joy it is to worship Him. So church, let's stand together. Let's sing praise to God. Let's celebrate the life that He has given us through the Redeemer, Jesus Christ our Lord, know that I'm available during this time and certainly after the service as well. would love to talk with you uh, about how the Lord might be working in your life. But let's all declare praise together to God now.